Today we have three scripture readings. The first two from Genesis complement Etienne's message. The third from Matthew reminds us of the events of the first Good Friday. Genesis 2, 16 to 17. And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. For when you eat of it, you will certainly die. Genesis 3:22-24. And the Lord God said, The man has now become like one of us, knowing good and evil. He must not be allowed to reach out his hand and take also from the tree of life and eat and live forever. So the Lord God banished him from the Garden of Eden to work the ground from which he had been taken. After he drove the man out, he placed on the east side of the Garden of Eden cherubim and a flaming sword flashing back and forth to guard the way to the tree of life. From the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 27, verses 32 to 50. The Crucifixion of Jesus. As they were going out, they met a man from Cyrene, named Simon, and they forced him to carry the cross. They came to a place called Golgotha, which means the place of the skull. There they offered Jesus wine to drink, mixed with gall. But after tasting it, he refused to drink it. When they had sacrificed him, Sorry, when they had crucified him, they divided up his clothes by casting lots. And sitting down, they kept watch over him there. Above his head, they placed the written charge against him. This is Jesus, the King of the Jews. <coughs> Two rebels were crucified with him, one on his right and one on his left. Those who passed by hurled insults at him, shaking their heads and saying, you who are going to destroy the temple and build it in three days, save yourself. Come down from the cross if you are the son of God. In the same way, the chief priests, the teachers of the law and the elders mocked him. He saved others, they said, but he can't save himself. He's the king of Israel. Let him come down now from the cross and we will believe in him. He trusts in God. Let God rescue him now if he wants him. For he said, I am the son of God. In the same way, the rebels who were crucified with him 
also heaped insults on him. The death of Jesus. From noon until three in the afternoon, darkness came all over the land. About three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lemma samachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? When some of those standing there said, heard this, they said, he is calling Elijah. Immediately one of them ran and got a sponge. He filled it with wine vinegar, put it on a staff, and offered it to Jesus to drink. The rest said, now leave him alone. Let's see if Elijah comes to save him. And when Jesus had cried out again in a loud voice, he gave up his spirit. Thank you, David, and good morning, everybody. I'm Etienne, and I'll lead us to the next part of the service. And I'm going to start by, well, start at the beginning. Start with the reminder of God made you, God made me, and we read of this wonderful designed existence of what we had symbolically in, in, in Genesis, but, but, but it's steeped in reality, in truth, in history, that the humans that represent us, Adam and Eve, lived in this place called the Garden of Eden. And, and in it was this tree of life. What God wanted was to say, was not to say was, to say, I, 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 I want to live in a relationship with you. I want you to believe me. Believe that I am who I say I am. Believe that I made you. Believe that I love you. Believe that I am all you need for life and happiness. And there's this beautiful picture of, of Genesis, we didn't read it today, where God comes and uh, in the evening or in the cool of the day, God walks with with, with mankind, with Adam and Eve. I don't know if you want to picture that out, what that must have been like. <laughs> Every day, to walk with God. That's the life. It's the life we have in, in, in this place, Genesis. And, 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 and it all was supposed to be this eternity where we... You, I, mankind, Adam, Eve, would live feeding off this tree of life. So as long as we believed, believed God, believe that he is who he says he is, right? 
And of course, the story, if you know it, was that we stopped believing. We said, no, I, we don't think so. We don't think you are who you say you are. We don't think that we are who you say we are. Let's, let's not go with you, God. So there was this first fundamental fatal act of unbelief, of disobedience. The Bible calls this sin. And the consequence of this is now what we need to come to terms with a bit this morning. A death sentence. That's what it was. We can say that through Adam and Eve's disobedience and sin, and through my sin, death entered the world. But I want to be a bit more nuanced this morning. We're talking about, in this series, still the results of human sin for our relationship with God. It's not just death. It's a death sentence. It's, it's God who says, recall those verses in Genesis, man can't live anymore in the garden because else he would be able to reach out and eat off the tree of life. The cherubim, the flaming swords get put at the entrance and, and, and God's the one who says, no more. No more life. Death physical enters, death spiritual enters, death eternal enters, right? That's the result of our unbelief, of, of, of sin, of saying to God, no, we don't think you are who you say you are. We don't trust you. We don't love you. Now, I want to just hover on that a bit this morning. I, 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 maybe you're new to church. Maybe, maybe you know, Easter and Christmas are when you're in church. Um, I mean, particularly for you, but maybe for many others, even if you've been in church all your life, this is a very challenging thing about God. To conceive of a God who would do this. You know, for many people in the world, this is the greatest challenge. How can I? And why would I say, yes, I believe in a God like this, who would do such a thing, who would bar off life for, for, for a choice that I made or that humanity makes. It's a, it's a severe thing. And I don't think you can really live through Easter well if you don't maybe pause to consider it. Okay? Why would he do this? And, and why would I believe in him if this is what he does if this is what, what, what I mean, even the elements of the bread and wine, these are elements of, of brutal, 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 severe, uh, uh, brutal, severe nature, a body broken, blood spilt, a father breaking the body, spilling the blood of a son. Think about the, the severity, the severity, the depth, you might even say the the grossness of that. <laughs> How can that be a good thing? How would I, why would I want in on this at all? So, so, so let's just hover on that for five or ten minutes and then I'll, then, I'll, then I'll close off and we're going to move to the Lord's Supper. I just want to draw attention for us this morning of, to, to two things that we 
need to get about God if we're really going to get Him, get something of His greatness and His splendor and His glory. Okay, the first thing we need to get about God is that um, God is holy. I think this is a an attribute or a, a part of what God is that that is vastly understated and not taught and grasped by Christians and by the Christian church. Okay, um, it is right that we stress the love of God, the grace of God, the goodness of God. Absolutely, and we're going to get there today too. But you know what's mentioned about God mostly in the Bible? More frequently in the Bible? With much more importance as, as, as of origin importance in the Bible? Is that God is holy. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. The whole earth is full of His glory. The song that will be sung at the end of end of days in the great assembly in the new heavens and the new earth. And we're going to talk about that with multitudes and thousands and millions and millions of people. The worship song that's going to be sung there is holy, holy, holy. Um, it's, it's not gracious, gracious, gracious. It's not even love, love, love. It's holy, holy, holy are you, Lord God Almighty. But what is it? What does it mean? You know, that's a, that's a, that's, it's not a word we use, certainly not a word our culture is familiar with in everyday language or concepts. Um, ah, look, this we can spill oceans of ink on. The formal description of this is that God is, in, in a very unique way, completely separate to us or to anything that exists. He is unlike anything else. He is apart. He's unique. There is nothing like him in existence, in the known or the unknown world. He is separate. He is apart. Um, and what makes him separate and apart, we would describe, but our words really struggle to capture this well. Some attempts are to say that he is morally perfect. There is nothing about him that is impure, wrong, think of everything that you can possibly think of from the smallest thing to the most, uh, uh, the greatest thing that, that we would consider sin or wrong or unkind or unloving or not good or bad. There is nothing in him like that. He, he cannot do wrong. He cannot do bad. He cannot, it's, it's impossible, right? So that's, that's about as close as our description can come to him. But I don't, I mean, we need to get that academically, but I needed to think about how do you illustrate this, what God is like, what his holiness is like. You know, the best I could come up with is the sun. He is like the sun. Um, you cannot <laughs> touch the sun. You, you cannot walk on the sun. You cannot go anywhere near the sun. The sun is radiant, is pure, and again, the Bible 
describes God as the sun in so many times and places. In fact, I love the description. In the new heavens, the new earth, we'll talk more about that on Sunday, we read, what's that place going to be like? There won't be any sun because God himself will be the sun. <laughs> place where we literally get a description of no, the, the cosmic planetary thing, we wouldn't need the sun. So what does it say to us about what God is like in his holiness, in his splendor, in his radiance, in his beauty? Actually, that's another great descriptor of holiness, is beauty. Stunning, absolutely unspoilt, uncorrupted beauty, right? And go back with me then to go, if this is what God is like in his holiness... Adam and Eve and humanity and us got to walk with him daily <laughs> in this before sin entered the world existence. Can you imagine what, what we must have been like? What humanity must have been like to walk with the sun, to walk on the sun? <laughs> What splendor, <laughs> what glory, what beauty would these two people have had to possess? I mean, we know that they were you know, naked, no shame. There was not a trace, not a hint, nothing of anything that we know as shameful or, 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 or guilty or guilt-inspiring, nothing. Such was the life that Adam and Eve had, and such is the life that you, I, anybody who would ever dare go into a relationship with this God You've got to be holy. You've got to be able to walk on the sun. Touch the sun. There's no way to have a relationship with him outside of being holy as he is holy. Right? And our question again might be, but is that a good or a bad thing? I, <laughs> the truth is it's good and bad. It's good and bad. It's good because we get the idea of, and this is where God's justice comes in. You know, righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. We need to get that God is holy. This is connected to the fact that he is just. The sun can only destroy things that's not like it. it will, God will always pronounce a judgment on anything, any act, any behavior, any being that is not like him. You cannot do anything else, Right? Now, is that a good or a bad thing? Yeah, you know, we get the idea of holiness and justice without even realizing it. This man over there, his name is Bing Jun Shi, I think. Um, I'll just check to make sure I pronounce his name right. He, he's, um, I'm just picking on him, and I'm, I must be mindful that he, or maybe it's not being fair to him either. Maybe, maybe things have changed for him. But um, he's one of the number one traffickers of sex slaves around the world. Um, he operates in Australia. He was jailed for five years in Britain. Uh, his niche is to bring uh, Asian workers into formerly Britain and at the moment Australia. And, and it's appalling. It's appalling to read some of the stuff that gets done. And we get that there needs to be justice. We want, and we understand that if our world is going to be a good world, uncorrupt judges need to execute right justice. We want people like this to be prosecuted. 
We understand its necessity. We understand that if we're going to live in a good world, a safe world, a healthy world, a, holy, a happy world, a beautiful world, we need uncorruptible justice. We get that as human beings. How much more would we need that in a cosmic sense? A cosmic judge that will do what is right. Such a judge, first of all, would have to be an absolutely uncorrupted judge. Only a holy God can be such a judge. And only a holy God can mete out the justice that is going to be needed for atrocities and abuses past, present and future. Can I put it to you that we can be, on the one hand, glad that God is holy and that God is just. The universe has cause to rejoice in that. It's a good thing. You want God to be like this. We need God to be like that. And we can be super grateful that that is exactly how he is on the one hand, yet on the other, yes. We will fall foul of that justice, all of us. That man there, yeah, maybe more so than you and I, but the fact is no matter how good you are, you still cannot walk on the sun. You still fall foul of the justice of God. And now we come to the, to the glory and the greatness of the cross. God looks at the people he's created. He looks at you. It's very personal. And he says, but the fact remains. I want you. Despite your sin, despite your failure, despite your unbelief, I still am a father. I'm not just the holy judge, but I'm also a father who wants his kids. How does he get them back? Well, he lets his own justice fall on himself. <laughs> on the cross where Jesus dies, the full, undiminished justice of God gets served, gets poured out on one who is perfectly holy so that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. If you place your faith, because it's still about belief, always has been, <laughs> if you believe that God is who he says he is, that God says, yes, I've sent my son Jesus to face your judgment in your place. You, you are holy. <laughs> now that has a lot of questions. You're going to say, well, I'm not holy. You know that. Now, we'll talk more about that on Sunday. But for now, let me just briefly illustrate this and then we're going to close. You are holy. Because the moment you place your faith in Christ and what he's done for you on the cross, we've said this over the last few weeks, you are in Christ is the term we've used. You are in Christ. Christ is holy and you are in him. Therefore, you are holy. My kids are in Brisbane at the moment. Um, it was lovely. <laughs> it's fantastic. It's the uh, greatest Easter I've had. No. Um, yep. My kids, I would tell you, they flew to Brisbane. 
but it's rubbish. My kids can't fly. The plane flew to Brisbane. So my kids were on that plane. They were in the plane. Therefore, whatever was true of that plane was true of my kids. <laughs> if you're, my turn to get them up. If, if, you're, if you're saying, yeah, man, I get this. I get a holy God and I get a loving God. And for some reason today is a day where you're going to believe it or you're going to just say, yes, again, I, I still believe it. You're getting on the plane. You're in Christ. Whatever is true of Christ is true of you. Christ can stand on the sun. He is the sun. He can embrace the sun. <laughs> if you're in him, you're on the sun. <laughs> you're not, but you are in him. That's the gift of God. It's to say to you and me, yes, you are holy. Because <laughs> you're in my son, in Christ. Right? And from that point on, we will look on Sunday, well, okay, what, what does it mean to live like a holy life and all that sort of stuff? Today, let me just wrap up before we sing a song and then move to the Lord's Supper. I, I'd like to talk about our response to this message, right? And, and the best place I could think of our response is, um, uh, is this. Um, we've touched on this a few times today and it's so appropriate Jesus' words on the cross where he died. Um, Eli, Eli, lama sabachthani, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? If we're talking about the greatest consequences of human sin, that is it. Think about Jesus' life. As a son of God, having lived in the greatest intimacy with God imaginable, he had the privilege that whenever he called out for his father, he answered. He answered. And in that moment, on that cross, the boy calls out to his dad. And dad does not answer. That is hell. When we call out to God and there is no answer. That's what happened on the cross. And friends, the reality is that today is not that day for you. And it need not be that day for you. I love the writer to the Hebrews. He talks to people like us sitting where we are today. And I like his words to be my words because it's not my words, it's God's words. Let's read it together, just feel his power. See to it, brothers and sisters, that none of you has a sinful unbelieving heart. What does it mean to be sin? Unbelief. Don't have a sinful, unbelieving heart that turns away from the living God. But encourage one another daily, as long as it's called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. We have come to share in Christ 
if indeed we hold our original conviction firmly to the end, as has been said today. If you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. Do not harden your hearts. God is here. God will, the promise is, if you call out to him. I want to know you. I want to live in a relationship with you. I want to be in Christ. I want to be made holy. His promise is, I will come. I will make my home in you. That forsakenness that Jesus had on the cross need never be yours, need never be mine. And so my invitation is simply as we get ready to prepare the Lord's Supper today, as you share it, will you, if you're a Christian, just be deepened in your gratitude that when you call out to your Father, He hears He knows. And maybe today you're in the place of feeling forsaken by God. Maybe your life's horrible. Maybe you think he has truly forsaken you. He is not. He's here. Let the bread and the wine remind you of his presence. He is with you. Let your senses remind your head, your heart, that he is with you. If you've never called out to him, do it today. Make today your day to say, nah, I am not going to be one day in a place where I'm calling out to God and he is not there. Make today the day that you avoid that. The invitation's there. The God who made you is here. He wants you today. Please pray with me. Father, um, all of this stuff is weighty. It's maybe even beyond our comprehension, but I pray that whatever we don't fully understand, that we will understand that you want us. You made us. You loved us. You want to walk with us. You want to embrace us. And I pray that today, as we share the supper, again we'll be reminded of it. We'll be encouraged by it. And maybe for the first time, for those who want to call today the day, that they are calling out to you, that you will meet them. That you will come and make your home in them. Make them holy in Christ. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I invite you to stand? We're going to sing a song um, that sort of teaches us about the Lord's Supper, and straight after that, we're going to, we're going to share in it. Um, thank you, music team.
might ask that we're going to hand out just a piece of bread and a cup of juice and uh, if you grab it just hold on to it and uh, I'll give instructions once it's distributed. Thank you.
I firstly speak to you if you believe that God is who he says he is and God loves you. God has sent his son so that if you believe in him you may have eternal life. You believe that. But right now, right now today, Psalm 22 is your experience for whatever reason. You're not quite sure that where God is in what's going on today in your life. I dearly hope that he would quickly show you and lead you or deliver you or set you free. That's what we're going to pray for. But, but the, one of the basic messages of this piece of bread that you hold is that you're meant to feel it, you're meant to taste it, you're meant to eat it. And it's real. It's not imaginary. It's a, it's a sign that's real, that's with you. So is God. Despite your experience, He loves you, He's with you, and He wants to nourish you and feed you and strengthen you, and in his good time and for his good reasons, will lead you through the thing that you're going through today. So can you please, brother or sister, and all of us, take the bread, remember and believe that the body of Christ was broken for a complete forgiveness of all your sin, and that God truly is with you. Let's eat together. We read in um, part of the Bible towards the end, a place called Revelation. Uh, there's insight into what goes on in the throne room of heaven. 
and we read there of some creatures whose job it is day and night to never cease to say, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. And so the cup of juice that you hold is the blood of Christ. It was poured out for the forgiveness of your sins that you may be holy. Take it, drink it. Remember and believe with great confidence that in Christ you are holy. Let's drink together. Father, we thank you for your great and glorious gift. Help us this day to do what you want us to do, but rather for you to do in us what you want to do in us. Commit ourselves to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Um, we're going to sing one more song and Mike will close us off. I'll just invite you to um, Sunday. Sunday we're just going to look at the...